Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. I'm happy you are here. And I'd like to express my appreciation to the listeners that have expressed a lot of support lately. Thank you so much. And I have a offer for people that are brand new to practicing with us on our website, nativeyogacenter.com. You can try two weeks of free live stream unlimited yoga, no strings attached, no credit card required. And so that's available for you if you would like. All right, well, sit back and let's get started. During today's session, my friend Natasha Eberhardt is joining me for a discussion around the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Natasha is a friend and I got a chance to know Natasha because she came to a Thai massage workshop here at Native Yoga Center about a little over a year ago and she had expressed interest in becoming a licensed massage therapist. At that time, she proposed the idea of being an apprentice and I'd never done that before and so we gave it a go. It was an incredible process. She did all the work. She did so much work. She researched everything. And it was a really great opportunity, in my opinion. And I'm just so happy for Natasha. She's a great therapist. And I'm just really excited for her in her new endeavor and her this career. And so we got to talking. And she'd asked me if I'd ever read The Four Agreements. And I think I came across it a long time ago, and therefore we decided, let's have a discussion around The Four Agreements. It's a wonderful book, and if you have not read it, go ahead and pick up a copy and give Mr. Ruiz some support, and we, I'd like to offer my appreciation to him for writing the book and hope that everything we mentioned today uh, he approves and appreciates. So thank you very much, Mr. Ruiz. All right, on that note, let's go ahead and begin. Living the Four Agreements, uh, based on the book, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Natasha, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm really happy that you encouraged me to read this book. And I got a lot out of it. And I was wondering if you can give us a synopsis of the beginning of the book and or the premise for the four agreements. Sure. Well, first, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here to kind of share this moment with you and, of course, everybody listening. Um, but yeah, so the four agreements. Um, the four agreements is, is, is a very interesting story, really kind of uh, originated from the Toltec Society, Toltec community, which is a Mesoamerican society. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz has descendants kind of lined up lineage going back to that time frame. Um, and essentially, the Toltecs are women and men of knowledge, great knowledge, and they created these pillars to basically live by. So the story goes is that an individual kind of goes into like a reclusion, um, finds this awakening to kind of be enlightened to see these four simple pillars. Um, and the main key thing is, is how simple and I guess kind of pervasive these pillars are that everybody has the tools and basically the 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 capabilities to mm -hmm. achieve these four tools. It's just a matter of understanding and having that consciousness and awareness to to live by the four agreements. Nice. 
Awesome. Yeah, that was something that I found was really inspiring was the the imagery. I, I found like right when I started reading the book, I actually listened to it on audiobook. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great way. The The narrator's voice was spectacular. For sure. And uh, the story right off the bat made me feel like really excited for life. Right. Like it just got me feeling like that's right. You know, right. We, we can live in a very truthful, honest way and be able to navigate mm-hmm. the world in a way where we feel, you know, comfortable and yep. supported. And um, it's simple and relatable, honestly. <laughs> the, that's what it boiled down to for me. I hear you. That's awesome. Um, have you encountered an experience that you've had a challenging time relating to others as well? Um, For sure. I, I mean, You know, the four agreements is something that I think is easy to kind of come by. And no matter what interactions I've had, whether it's, you know, working in a corporate setting, um, interacting with my coworkers, how I communicate with them, the four agreements kind of always fits in into those interactions. Mm -hmm. If I'm having a one-on-one yoga session in which I'm teaching an individual, helping guiding them through a yoga practice, it always kind of comes back to that, um, mm. at least in the rationale of my thoughts of how I'm interacting with that individual. The four agreements always come into play. Nice. Um, so I know from just from my experience how uh, great this book has really affected me. Nice. Mr. Ruiz details how our habit patterns have shaped our reality since birth. And much in line with the idea of the Indian philosophies, the samskaras. Yeah. And he uses the word domestication to describe the process of our learning, quote, how to be, in quote, in society. Um, And it seems to me that the four agreements are a way to exist, uh, like, in society uh, and um, to, like, somehow unravel our domesticated tendencies at the same time and explore a way of being, you know, balanced in our like internal life and external life. Um, How has the four agreements helped you in both your professional and personal life? Can you, could you separate the two or would you put them into the same category? I mean, honestly, I think in a lot of ways there's overlap. There's always going to be overlap because me as an individual, I'm multifaceted and all of the things that I do kind of have an overlap, but it does have some professional for sure applications as well as personal applications. Mm. So I had mentioned earlier in a professional setting, um, I know from my experience just working with individuals, whether it be maybe a challenging conversation to be had, right? Um, Or maybe a simple interaction with my supervisor. Um, It's always an added value to that professional interaction whenever I am, for example, impeccable with my word, when I'm speaking with integrity, um, whether it's like setting up our like goals and objectives at the beginning of the year, it kind of lays down like the proper expectations of how we're going to communicate. Mm. Um, Being impeccable with my word is kind of something that's very important to the both of us because if I stay true to that, it's very clear what path, what direction I'm going to go towards so then my supervisor knows what to expect from me. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. And so you bring up the, the first agreement, which yeah. is to be impeccable. 
in your word. Mm -hmm. And does that sound easier said than done to you at first or in practice? (laughs) Uh, Definitely easier said than done. (laughs) Um, It's definitely something that takes much reflection and practice to do. You know, think about the amount of effort to kind of just, hey, like, pause for a minute before you actually say what you're about to say. I mean, Todd, like, we're caught in that environment today. Like, so many things Mm. when we hear opposing viewpoints, it's very easy to just, like, kind of come back and just say what's right off the top of our minds. Um, But if we add the value of, you know, what does this truly mean to me? Um, Is this truly like my truth? Am I speaking from my, you know, um, conscious behavior and conscious mind? Then I'm speaking with integrity to what's right by me. Yeah. So even if somebody asks you a question that your answer doesn't agree with them, being impeccable in word you find is just at least being open to speaking your idea thoughts and truth or are you taking into account how that might affect them and or would that hurt them for you to be honest to them how does that work with being impeccable sure um well i mean it goes back to that integrity right so like sometimes we feel the need to be like the right one in conversation i know for sure i'm a victim to that Mm. um Sometimes when we want to like win a conversation so much, integrity goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Integrity does match up with, okay, how is this affecting somebody else in the way that we are using these words? So the truth might be such, but the language is just as important. So mm-hmm. how I deliver that truth is also very important. So mm-hmm. let's say Todd, you know, I come in here and I'm like, Todd, that yoga class it was really horrible, <laughs> you know? Maybe I could deliver that a better way because you put your best foot forward mm-hmm. in teaching mm-hmm. that class and perhaps um, if I was to use a different language, it would come out differently. Yeah, that's a good point. It seems like the, the, if the intention at the outset is to want to be friends with the person we're communicating with, that we would take into account some of these factors before... Uh, just speaking out of reaction mode. Correct. Yeah. So it almost seems like we have to have that initial desire to be friends. Uh, to me, a genuine connection, right? I mean, even beyond friendship, right? Yeah. If we want yeah. to make a genuine connection with somebody that is rooted in true compassion of other people around us, then we would have the ability to kind of be like, pause, that's not very nice. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, what if I decide that being impeccable in my word is just so challenging? And mm-hmm. I'm just going to take a vow of silence because then it solves that problem for me. Mm-hmm. Is that a noble way to go about being impeccable in my word? Or do you, do you think that it would be more important to work on my speaking ability mm-hmm. rather than just choose to shut up? Well, you know, I, I guess to me, this is strictly kind of how I interpret it, of course, but to be an in integrity of what's right by you, Todd, I think staying silent over something that you felt really called to speak to is not keeping with integrity of you. Mm. Um, it's very easy to stay silent. Like I know for me, if I'm 
feeling facetious or maybe even a little passive aggressive at times. I'll say silent and just nod my head to somebody just because maybe <laughs> I don't want to do something they're telling me yeah. to do. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, is perhaps if I had the courage to just say, you know what? No, that doesn't really fit with how I feel this is going or how this fits in. Yeah. It, it'll affect me. Um, I, I believe that's really kind of the, the thought process behind keeping an integrity. It's yeah. integrity of you and other people. Yeah. That's a really good point. That's something that I, I feel challenged by <clears throat> sometimes. I, I tend to want to just be quiet. Sure. And um, so this is something that when I really focus on, after I found after reading the book, and contemplating on it and then just like just taking this one agreement mm -hmm. and then each interaction I'm having going through this little siphoning process of asking myself is this am I responding in a way that's a part of um, being impeccable uh, and an in integrity it it is a great exercise and I, obviously we get caught up in doing what we're doing and it's, it's hard to stay focused on this. For sure. It's almost like you have to, you know, you're getting ready to engage in conversation, have to prep yourself like, okay, focus on speaking from your truth and not just saying mm -hmm. what the other person wants to hear or. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, and you know, I want to ask you because that is something, you know, that I believe not just you are the only one who's kind of struggles from that, but I know um, it's a struggle for a lot of people is to kind of, I'd rather stay quiet than kind of rock that boat. Yeah. Um, do you ever feel like it's a missed opportunity? Like, oh, I should have said something. I think that way all the time. You know, my wife Tamara is so quick. Yeah. Like <laughs> she is so witty and People will fire something at her, say something, and she comes back so fast with mm -hmm. something that is exactly how she feels and thinks. And mm -hmm. and then afterward, I'll I'll think of what I wished I had said. Sure. And I'm I just feel slow on sure. that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It takes me time. I have to process it later on. I'll be like, why didn't I say that? You know, that's more what I was really feeling. And um. So, so yes, I do feel like it's a missed opportunity. I guess I'm searching for that secret trick that would enable my, yeah. my ability to process it fast and then come back with an, a way of saying how I really feel without getting flustered. Or right. With the gravitas that yeah. you wanted, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's the thing. So like, Tamara and others are very skilled at being quippy and kind of being able to articulate yep. their words really yep. well. Yep. But what is the best way for like us who yep. are a little slower to that game? Uh -huh. We practice. Yep. We have to keep speaking up then in order to keep finding opportunities to be able to articulate, to have the right words mm. in those situations. Yep. And yep. I think that's kind of the key. That's the that's the self improvement in that in that first um, in that first agreement. Yeah, good point. If we venture into the second agreement, which is don't take anything personally. Oh man. Uh huh. <laughs> um, I was speaking with a friend when I mentioned that I was reading this book to her. She said, 
oh, that's tough. That mm-hmm. book is tough. At first, I was I was so enamored with the entry story. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is going to be a really easy read. I just did this book that was so heavy and difficult. And um, let me read something light. And I told her I was reading this book, Four Agreements, and she's like, <laughs> oh, that's really tough. And I went, I'm like, why? What, do you, what, what is it about the Four Agreements that's so tough? She said, the second one, mm-hmm. to not take things personally is really challenging for me. And, and, um, and then as I caught up in the book to that part, uh, I find that it's a very interesting thing. For um, sure. What, what, do you, what, what is your takeaway from the don't take things personally? I agree with your friend. It is definitely the, to me, one of the um, heavier agreements. Heavier in a sense that it kind of has a lot to unpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's a little bit layered. Um, it's a little bit seated in your own self-confidence in your own ability to recognize your own self-worth and ability to kind of keep it separate between what you feel you're receiving versus what you believe you should have been getting. Mm. Yeah, good point. (laughs) You know, so Uh that separation takes a lot of, um, confidence i think in the individual to know that oh this is not about me that this is something bigger than me and in fact i can empathize with what's ever going on here because someone's clearly having a hard time yeah yeah it makes me think of ego oh for sure i mean it seems like um and i remember the first time when i first started getting into yoga i had this idea that the goal of yoga practice was to dissolve the ego. Mm. Then I met a teacher who was in the tantric tradition that emphasized that how important the ego is. Mm. Without ego, perhaps mm-hmm. existence would cease. Mm-hmm. And then there's more the idea of building a healthy ego as opposed sure. to an unhealthy one. And to not take something personally really feels like it's the the ability to hear take in information that that either was specifically directed toward me, mm-hmm. or sometimes I even notice that people aren't even talking to me or directing toward me. And in my head, I'm creating this whole drama that they're actually uh, coming at me That's with something. Right. And then afterward, I find out that it, they weren't even talking about me or to me. Mm-hmm. It was just me and my ego. That's right. Thinking, and so that always makes me think that that's maybe where this domestication aspect of being, maybe if it's poor self worth or self value that we'll put into our heads the this idea of what someone's saying and they're not even saying Correct. that, Correct. which is a very. Um, difficult thing to accept even that alone because then it's like am i crazy mm-hmm. like look at the stuff that i'm building up in my mind that's right it's it's really amazing it's definitely uh it's a quite the exercise to sit back and allow for things to bounce off so now on, on that note do you feel like that means grow thick skin to me so it's that that's how uh, I think it kind of depends, right? Yeah. Um. So grow thick skin in a certain way it applies, but then at the same time, don't grow such thick skin to where you are so uh, 
like there's no like there's apathy mm-hmm. in in yeah. what's going on in the yeah. situation right like yeah. uh, that comment of like i don't care what what people are thinking or i don't care what's happening outside of me yeah. right yeah. um we don't want to grow that kind of thick skin yeah um yeah. i think it goes back to understanding kind of what you said our domesticated preconditions and sometimes that goes all the way back from childhood upbringings mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we kind of have this idea. I know for me, a big example that applies specific to me is I am very, you know, I'm very knowledge-based. I'm fact-based and I, it's very easy for me to have conversations that are very specific to, well, this, you know, document says this or you know the rule says this yeah um and it's very easy for me to kind of do that and if someone was to perhaps go against what is being said or they're kind of breaking away from those specific like rule-based um type of uh documentation it's always very easy for me to kind of take that as a uh why why do you get to do that or like it Mm. it, i almost kind of take it up as a personal upfront to me Mm. um because i follow those or i hold myself accountable to kind of holding those rules up why why not everybody else right but it's not (laughs) it's not about me (laughs) it's a really good point if we want everybody to play fair and we want there to be a fair playing of uh, the field to be fair, mm-hmm. but it's just, it doesn't work that way, does it? Not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> We've solved it. Yeah. I want you to be nice to me. Well, I don't want to be nice to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I hear you. Um, gosh, I know taking things personally. Do you feel like, what is what do you do when someone says something to you that either gives you a physical reaction like mm-hmm. nervous butterflies some sort of physical reaction to the statement or the action that mm-hmm. was put towards you what what's something that you do or that you've been trying to practice to do to put this agreement into place sure because it is the hardest one it does take a lot of energy and kind of focus to do it. But with that being said, Don Miguel Ruiz does recommend what he calls the second attention. Mm. So the second attention is basically something that you put your mind and energy towards um, by being conscious. So understanding that let's say that someone really did say something directly at me, maybe either a physical attribute that they noticed about me and decided to make a negative comment about that, or maybe a disparaging comment that I, you know, wouldn't necessarily agree with about me specifically. Um, I think it would come down to me putting, understanding where I want to put my second attention. My first attention would be that reaction of, oh no, like I can't believe they said that. Like how very dare them, (laughs) right? That's my first attention. If I'm able to bypass that first attention and say, wait, pause, what is happening here? Even if I was to respond to said comment, what would that really bring to this conversation, to this Mm. connection, to this relationship? Yeah. If I was to really have something to say of value that might quell that individual's opinions, mm. perhaps that's something that I could then 
put forward and say, okay, I'm going to be impeccable with my word and go ahead and say what I'm thinking. Yeah. Or maybe it doesn't add any value at all because all that's doing is begging me to be correct because yeah. I want to be the one who wins this conversation. Yeah. So then maybe I don't give that yeah. first attention any energy at all. Mm. Maybe I walk away from the conversation because at the end of the day, that individual's made up their mind about me and that's okay. I'm not for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. That makes me think that we've we've all had a lot of practice with that lately, just with the heated elements that have been going on in, right. in our country. And then obviously this globally. This, mm-hmm. As I look at the international news, I see everybody's got a lot of stuff going on right now. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Now the third agreement do not make assumptions. Mm. Don't make assumptions. Uh, I, I really like this one a lot. I feel like my, this is something my dad used to say to me all the time mm-hmm. in, in the sentence of don't ever assume anything. And I, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, wanting to battle him a little bit on that one. Like, you know, what do you mean? Like, right. I mean, uh, I thought this assumption just made perfect sense for everybody. Like, how could I be wrong? And, I think it's such a great agreement Mm -hmm. in terms of I make assumptions all day long about so many things. That's right. It seems like you can go really deep into this superficially. It's, it's easy. You know, you, um, you know, the store is open Yeah, and I show up and the store is closed and I, I assumed it would be open. Like, don't they want to, help me out with what I need for sure right why did and so you know on the superficial level there's a lot of things that we need to investigate yeah and we check out first before we take action or you know get in the car or walk over to where we're going um but in teaching a yoga class we make a lot of assumptions right as a teacher we step up in the front yeah and we're like everyone's able to do backbend (laughs) Everyone in this room can do yes. a backbend, right? And, and or if they can't do a backbend, they better start learning. They or, should be doing backbends. Or, or that they'll yeah. stop before <laughs> they like injure their back, right? That's that a good they'll point. know when to stop. Oh my gosh. Even if they don't yeah. know, they'll know when to stop. They'll yeah. listen, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Assuming that people have enough understanding of their own bodies already that they will be able to handle these challenging poses that I'm asking them to do. Mm-hmm. That's a really big one. That's something that come, becomes clear if we take enough time teaching. Yes. And that's obviously beyond yoga. That's just teaching anything. Right? Correct. So a good teacher doesn't assume the student knows anything. Correct. If this, yeah. As a teacher, it's almost kind of like we cannot assume that whatever knowledge that we have is going to be either even taken in in the same way, right? We have to almost teach students kind of like a self-agency of advocating for themselves of here's information, do with it what you want to apply in the subject matter, whether it's a yoga class, an art class, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. But know that it takes so much base layer information to even understand the point we're discussing right now. Yeah. Right. So yeah. we're almost kind of just a, um, an an outlet 
<laughs> for for guidance for information but we're not the source yeah yeah that's a good point what assumptions are we even making right now we're assuming that people have a phone and they can download this podcast right that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point um what uh, what assumptions? What's an assumption you've made recently that you caught? I don't want to say catch yourself because obviously perfection isn't the goal here, right. so to speak. It's more the practice. That's right. It seems. Uh, what's something that you've witnessed or observed yourself assuming? For sure, um, you know, a lot of the things that I do, um, it almost kind of always lands me in this self-reflection of like, what is it that I had intended to say? Because again, just mm-hmm. like you had mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, um, I'm not very quick to like speak up or it takes me kind of a while to process that information. But a lot of times I'm thinking things and my mind is like moving so fast that I assume that, for example, my husband Jacob knows exactly what I'm thinking because I spend so much time with him. Mm-hmm. And then I assume that this individual who knows or I assume knows my body language, my facial expressions, also knows what's going on (laughs) up here, which is not true at all. (laughs) Right. Um, And I think I catch myself doing that quite a bit. You know, that happens to me probably on a daily basis. And I have to make sure that, no, Natasha, like, slow down. You have to articulate it to him because he can't read minds. No one can. Yeah. That's a great one. I agree. Assuming that people can read our minds. Yes. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Which you're right, does really circle back to the speaking with impeccable. Yeah. From the place of being impeccable or, or from our truth. Because correct at that point, then we have to be bold enough to come out and say what we think, say what we feel for anybody to know what we are going through. Right. Because intention is very hard to translate. Mm. So we have to be very impeccable with our word in which that word has to have integrity, not just to us, but to other people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I voice my, I voice how I'm feeling. I voice what I'm thinking and someone makes fun of me, mm-hmm. you know? Wow. And, and when in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. here comes agreement number two. Mm-hmm. They lash out back, you know, well, aren't you a fool for thinking that way? Or aren't you sure. silly for feeling that way, something of that nature. And then this is where you just settle back and say, I'm not going to take this personally. Would you agree? Uh, It could be that, or (laughs) perhaps like there's, like I said, if there's a comeback that adds more value to that, Mm. that would bring, and when I say add value, I want to make it clear, not add value to the point that it puts you at the advantage of the conversation. Mm. I think the conversations always have to be reframed to how can we bring the connection back to center? Mm. Because most of the time when we're getting to the point that we are saying things that might be Mm -hmm. (laughs) hitting people at a personal level, we have moved into far extremes of that connection, meaning we are now negating opposing viewpoints kind of situation. Right. So, when I say adding value, 
is there anything that I can say that can bring this person back to center and then me move to center with them? Mm. And if there isn't anything at all at that moment, that's when, yes, I agree. Walk away. Walk away. Walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Around the world, I'm sure, but definitely here in USA, we observe stereotypes Mm -hmm. and it seems like for me, I, when I think of making assumptions, I feel like there's a connection to uh, falling into stereotypes or believing stereotypes. How have you worked? I, I remember at one point you had made mention that being in the corporate world, sometimes you felt that as being a woman and working that maybe there was an assumption made or you were under the weight of a stereotype so to speak mm-hmm. is that something that's that's happened and and how do you apply the four agreements in that field sure. um you know one of the things i think for anybody who suffers with kind of this ability to want to be able to kind of speak up for themselves right it almost seems very hard it almost seems like it's always a missed opportunity. Oh, I wish I could have said that right at that moment, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I think it even more so applies to women in a male-dominated industry, whether it's a manufacturing setting or inherently the business world. The business world, uh, I mean, to be honest, is dominated by you know middle-aged cisgendered men. It's a patriarchy. Um, so always having the right, platform and opportunity to speak up is something that I always strive to have because yes um, I do think that there's a lot of assumptions especially with individuals who are maybe 10 20 years senior of me um, that although I am eager to learn I also have things to share Mm -hmm. right I also have things that I can impart to them that they can learn as far as you know, a business process and an efficiency kind of program, or in fact, a better way to approach a negotiation. So I do think that, you know, that's something that assumptions kind of play a role in because, you know, five to someone like me who probably isn't so fast to speak up, a lot of assumptions could be made that, oh, she's pretty timid. She doesn't really speak up in a lot of the conference room meetings. Mm. She kind of takes her time. Um, so there's probably nothing there. Right, right. Right. When I was little, my mom told me a story that the principal of the school, I used to go to a, an all girls private school, the principal of the school who interviews you before you actually have get to go into this private school had told my mom that they were going to go ahead and include me because my sisters are already enrolled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but because I didn't really speak up in the interviews <laughs> or like the communication sessions, that they felt like I needed to be enrolled in like kind of, uh, I guess, extra classes to increase my communication. Gotcha. Without prior knowledge of whether or not I had any like, you know, language deficiencies because I was speaking two languages whether or not, you know, there was speech pathology issues, that's not what they asked. <laughs> they right. just made the assumption that, oh, she doesn't speak up, so there's probably not much there. Yeah. You know, so I think that plays a big role also to my domestication of always yeah. fighting for that, hey, I don't wanna ju- I don't want just a seat at the table. I'm gonna pull up at this a seat at that table because yeah. I want to be heard. <laughs> yeah. 
That's a great point, Natasha. That does give me insight into how powerful these experiences are when we're children Mm -hmm. and how we really spend the rest of our lives kind of working through these challenges that we face when we were young. And that's something that I always take into account as a parent and watching my children grow up and watching and observing how I react and Mm -hmm. and thinking along the lines of that, how will this impact them you know, through their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And sometimes that gets a little heavy because you're like, I mean, I'm just trying the best I can. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and we make mistakes, obviously, yeah. but it's it's really interesting to look at that. And um, I'm appreciative that you brought that up. The more that we get pushed like this to attempt to speak our truth, I feel like some of these issues do come up from childhood. So Mm -hmm. to start looking at that and paying attention to that and observing that seems really important. And I want to echo what you said earlier, right? It's not about perfection. It's more about the practice. Yeah. So for me, I also shouldn't be so aggressive to always be like, hey, listen to me. Like, you know, it becomes kind Mm -hmm. of attention seeking Mm -hmm. a little bit if I keep pushing it in the direction that it's not meant to. It still has to have the integrity of, is what I'm saying actually valuable? Is what I'm saying actually pertinent to yeah. what's being discussed? Yeah. Right? So there yeah. is such a solid practice to it. Yeah. And you know what? I've messed it up before. I have. <laughs> I yeah. have yeah. called attention yeah. when I mm-hmm. shouldn't have. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I learn from those mistakes, yeah. I get to kind of bring, I get to level up, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I get to be like, okay, that was a smart, <laughs> that was smart, that was not so smart. But you level up every time you kind of learn from it. Good point, Natasha. All right, well, the fourth agreement, I, I found as I was reading through, I was getting more and more excited, like, what's he going to throw at me now? <laughs> <laughs> um, do the best you can. So simple. <laughs> Always do the best you can. Right. And I love it. I think that, I, I guess I didn't expect that one. I don't know. I, How come? I think that the first three made me really start to slow down and look and take my time and try to observe a little deeper based on through conversation and through introspection and I guess I, I have a feeling that I, I do try my best all the time. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that I have been working on for quite a while now. Sure. And so when I read it, it just kind of gave me that feeling of like, yes, I, I can do this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although that might be an assumption on oh, my behalf. Oh, man. That, that, <laughs> that, I, that I have been. But yeah, I just think... I mean, this attitude Mm -hmm. to approach everything with the intention Mm -hmm. of doing the best that I possibly can. I mean, that's such a great question because say, for example, yoga practice this morning, I, you know, I was, I'm feeling really good. Last night I was, I found myself actually getting excited for today. So and that doesn't always happen, but yeah, (laughs) I had that feeling of like, I'm really excited to go in and practice. So when I showed up, I felt like I want to do the best I can. Mm -hmm. And then 
if I think though, what does doing the best that I possibly can in my yoga practice today mean? And I feel like that changes all the time. For sure. And so the parameters that I measure what the best, me being best is, I feel like has shifted from being goal and achievement Mm -hmm. orientated into being more patient. Okay. Yeah. And, and accepting like just uh, where I'm at and and kind of pulling it a little bit away from the goal orientation aspect and Mm -hmm. being the best for me now in terms of my yoga practice Mm -hmm. to just be very present and try to absorb or take in each breath and be very involved in the practice, not worry about how long it is, how many poses I do, how That's deep right. I go into the pose, how, and then, so, so I feel, I guess that's why I really like about this one is it's causing me to look at my own definition of what best is. Definitely. I mean, especially now, like in a situation where we are faced with ever changing situations like no one day is the same right and there's nothing that's the same as we kind of keep going on with the year with the pandemic we still don't know like what's going to happen once 2021 shifts over right yeah it seems as though this agreement is one that truly 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 can be evolving with you on a daily maybe by hour maybe by minute kind of basis right um, and you could really see that in a very tangible way. It, I think it really focuses on tapping into how you feel, whether it's through your physical body, how your mental health is doing, um, how your subtle body energies are kind of interacting with you. Um, I think it all kind of comes down to tuning into yourself. Now, I do want to say that goal orientation and motivation still persists. Those are still things that happens for everybody. We're still in some ways motivated by, okay, we want that to happen. So then we're trying to go through to that point, right? Getting from point A to point B. But with doing my best, I always feel like, okay, well, my best today may not look like what my best was yesterday. So then I know exactly how to measure my success given the specific moment. Mm. Um, and I think that's very helpful because there's so much pressure to mm. what best is. Mm-hmm. We might even start comparing our best to other people, but as you and I both know, it's not a good measurement. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the, my my biggest takeaway from this one is the measurement element and and how starting to look at what is my measurement for success and Mm -hmm. and doing my best. I hear you, you know, what, when you put these agreements on a good day, how have you noticed that the, these agreements have changed or shaped you for the better? For sure. Um, for me, what I like to do is really reflect on them. Mm-hmm. Um, some days it's like by written words. Some days it's just evaluating it in my head. But I kind of go over what has 
what is working well, what isn't working, and what are some of the things that I can truly affect in that day. And I try to apply the four agreements to it. Mm. Um, so in, like at the end of the day, you sit down or contemplate or yeah. write, this is, this is what happened. This is where I could have probably maybe improved. Definitely. And, nice. and I think it helps me kind of understand that lessons learned, right? Because yep. this practice does yep. have so many lessons, whether in successes or failures. Yep. Um, that reflection allows me to kind of understand that a little bit deeper for mm. myself. Yep. And then really make a conscious effort to apply the four agreements to it. That's a great point. Tamara got a magnet for our fridge that says, don't go to bed angry, stay up and fight. <laughs> and uh, and I and it cracks me up because it, it's true. If you don't resolve these issues by the end of the day, we're going to wake up carrying it and holding on to it and just mm -hmm. kind of grinding through it all day again. Right. So it makes sense to do that reflection process. I like that idea. It definitely helps me. I think yeah. it sets things into perspective. And more often than not, things that did not go well for my day is when I was truly just being reactionary when I was just using my first attention yeah. and not applying any of these pillars that the Toltecs have taught us. Can you share with us a little bit more to give some credit to Don Miguel Ruiz, um, other products that are books that he has available and, or you had made mention that his son is involved in his teaching and promulgation of his teaching? Definitely. Um, I mean, Don Miguel Ruiz has a great website that shows all of his books, which I encourage everybody to visit. Um, beyond the four agreements, there is a fifth agreement. Um, and there are also um, companion books that Don Miguel Ruiz and his son have both co-authored together and nice. written together. Nice. Um, and there's a lot to be learned from both perspectives, one younger than the other, but mm. in all together kind of the same teachings, but the perspectives are very different. Um, so I do encourage everybody to kind of visit their website. Um, I know on Instagram, if you are present in that platform, Follow Don Miguel Ruiz. He puts out some really nice, thoughtful, kind of quick, like little messages mm. as posts. Nice. And I find that even just like a quick glance at some of them, I try to save some of them. A quick glance at some of them is a great reminder. So it's kind of like a nice sticky note that I have on my phone to that's, just kind of go back to. <laughs> that's a great idea. Get little yeah. reminders to exactly. kind of keep you on the... Exactly. To remember to actually put this into practice. For sure. So follow him on Instagram as well. Can you remind us of his website? Um, it's just uh, basically donmiguelruiz.com. Cool. Um, but you could also Google search him. That's the first thing that'll pop up. Um, and of course, on Instagram, his handles Don Miguel Ruiz. Nice. And you are located here in South Florida. I have the pleasure of getting a chance to speak with you here at the studio, mm -hmm. which is always really nice. And you are you are a yoga teacher. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us where if somebody would like to visit your information or, or find out more about you, where can we find you at? 
Sure. So I teach yoga um, one-on-one sessions and I do teach uh, private group sessions that have been put together, but I do like one-on-one sessions the most. Um, I think I get the most value, not just for myself, but for that individual as well. Um, And I do workshops right now all virtually um, to kind of start a yoga practice. Um, All of this could be found on natashadeberhart.com, which is my website. And you can also follow me on Instagram at NDE Yoga. Um, and you can find my information there. Awesome, Natasha. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to come speak with me. Mm-hmm. And we had the opportunity to work together in the massage realm. And you're working toward becoming a licensed massage therapist. Yes. Which I'm so excited for. You've done an incredible job learning and practicing and being self-motivated to study all your anatomy, physiology, practicum. I am really, it's been such a pleasure to work with you and I'm excited to see where you take this. You're For also sure. a rock climber yeah, and you've been able to work with in your apprenticing and learning with rock climbers and you, you, um, you know, you're involved in that, those groups as well. Do you, um, what is something that you're striving for in 2021 without now we realize we don't know right. what kind of, constraints we will be under or not under Mm -hmm. like you know for for me to say oh in 2021 i'm gonna fly to thailand Mm -hmm. well i probably don't know if that's gonna be possible right (laughs) right. so with that being said what's something that you're looking toward for 2021 what's something that you are thinking you'd like to manifest and or work toward well i want to complete my my massage therapy licensure nice. for, for sure. Yeah. Right now our apprenticeship are under review and I want to make sure that I get that license. Um, once I get that license, I really want to pursue kind of a bigger presence within you know, the climbing community working through guided movement and massage therapy, whether it's Thai massage or Swedish massage. And then of course I want to continue, you know, kind of learning. Um, I believe I'm just scraping the surface in learning about body work with mm-hmm. what we've started. And I think there's a great deal more to learn from you. And then in general, just about the body work industry for me so that I can keep helping other people. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's so great to have you here. Uh, let's pick another book sometime to talk about. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. <laughs> Thanks for joining and uh, let's do it again. Sounds good. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Natasha. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that discussion. Remember, you can check us out, nativeyogacenter.com. You can find Natasha at natashadeberhart.com. We hope you enjoy, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.